And then in 2014, you come back after the year off. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the regionals in Cincinnati. You looked like you were on fire. Yeah. I were hungry. <laughs> looking back, yeah, I think that was, and I heard, you know, years later, I was with um, Sam Briggs, I think it was, two, yeah, 2017, after their regional in Madrid, and she said something like that, like, that's where, she's like, I think that was, if you had been in that shape at the games in 2014, things would have been different, and I think looking back to maybe, I think that was sort of the peak for me, was at the regionals that year, because I was just so ready to get back into competition, Um, and I felt, you know, that was one of definitely one of my best competitions. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale CrossFitter. My friends, Amy Radowski, Charlie Yodi, and Kat Shear, and I, we are 40 plus masters athletes who love the sport of CrossFit. We want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news from the Open to the Sanctionals to the CrossFit Games. We also want to share our journey to get fit and healthy using the sport of CrossFit. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button and consider giving us a five-star rating. We are now available on YouTube at the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends Podcast in all traditional podcast platforms. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Clydesdale CrossFitter. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. What's up, everybody? How's it going? How's it going? Hi. Uh, Love technology. Love everything about it. It's so much fun. Um, Hate it. But we are up and running. Live and live in living color. Here we are. So far, so good. So how are you guys doing? Pretty good. Not bad. Good weeks? Good weeks? Well, okay, I was a little bit annoyed by all the rain we had this week. There's a lot of rain happening here in the Columbus area but then yesterday was beautiful so that was awesome and today it's pretty nice out too so i'm gonna head out for a run later on today so yeah pretty good week we, we did have that windstorm but nothing like they had in delaware oh yeah it was terrible so <laughs> gotta love gotta love delaware windstorms um we lost power for probably six or seven hours. We had eight or nine trees in our neighborhood that are probably eight, 80 years old go down. Huge, massive like root systems, 20 feet high in the air once they fall over. And uh, it, I've never seen anything like it. That's why my but, wife- But, but, but the family's okay and you're doing well? Yeah, every, everybody's fine. You know, it just, it was weird because you can't go anywhere. Like normally power would go out and we'd go out to dinner or, you know, do that. And we don't, we have a well so we lose water as well. So my husband is like the bathroom police, the, you know, don't flush the toilet. <laughs> don't <laughs> take a shower. So it was a little, little hairy there for a while, but we survived. Good, good. So did you get much training in this week? I did. I actually trained almost every day this week. I just got back from a four mile ruck walk with three of my girlfriends. 
So normally Sundays I don't do anything. And so I was glad to move a little bit today and do that. But yeah, it's, I've had a good week of training for sure. How about you, Scott? Me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, lots of upper body stuff still. Um, my back is actually feeling really good right now. And I do have uh, an appointment with the doctor again tomorrow. So I'm excited about that. But um, I'll, just to be totally transparent, the fear in my head right now is consuming me uh, that the next move is going to pop it again. Um, the last time I had this, I didn't sleep for like four months because of the pain was so bad. And the fear of that is just overwhelming right now. And I'm just trying to fight that off, uh, trying to figure out. And actually, um, to our listeners, we have, we have an interview coming out soon uh, that we did a little bit ago where I was given some advice on how to strengthen the back. Uh, so I've been doing a lot of that, a lot of uh, supported rows, um, a lot of core and stability stuff. And while my whoop strain has been non-existent, uh, I am trying to build muscle around the back to, to support it better and work on some mobility. Nice. Yeah, that's good. I feel like, I feel like everybody's gotten a pretty good handle on their fitness. Like we're, I don't know, are we eight weeks into this? Six weeks, two months, eight years, 84 years. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like the fitness piece is, is coming along. Like people are getting their groove. Um, I think maybe they're starting to get a little bit bored with, you know, the body weight workouts. If you don't have equipment, things like that, but I'm really struggling with the nutrition side of things. So I don't know about you guys, but that has been yep. the hardest thing for me. Um, first couple weeks, it's kind of like Christmas vacation, you know, you just like eat everything and you think, yeah. well, it doesn't really matter. Cause it's only going to be a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and here we are like eight weeks and I just have to get my ish together. Like really in a, in a bad way. And you guys know I'm a nutrition coach, so <laughs> I have clients I have to sort of, you know, be a testament to, and, and it's so much easier to just tell people what they should be eating or, you know, how many macros they should be getting. But the hard part is just actually executing on it in this environment. So you guys struggle with that or find uh, any ways to cope with it? I just was telling myself talk earlier today. I was like, I know what I need to do. I'm just not doing it. And that, um, so I totally, I was like, at first I'm like, you know, I'm feeling a little thicker. And I start like making all these excuses of why that is. Well, I'm not working. And I move around a lot when I work, which is true. I mean, those parts are true, but I can do better. I mean, for sure. And so I'm totally struggling there. Yeah. I, you know, that's always going to be a struggle for me. Um, I actually did a lot of prep work this weekend to start uh, meal prepping today for this week. Uh, Amy and I actually had this conversation about five days ago. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm using the macro stacks app. Um, I went through the recipes and I picked three out to make a big portion of those three meals. Uh, and we're going to make those today so that we have some food prep ready. Uh, I also ordered some meals from trifecta, uh, to have on hand to throw in the microwave, um, to be able to do that too. So, yeah, I'm struggling bad. And so I'm doing a hard reset uh, tomorrow and really getting after it nutrition wise. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up though, Kat, because I think, I think that's a good point. Just even as a coach, like we're not perfect all the time and that this is, this is really hard being, being here in quarantine and 
and that even when we have the right information. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, at this point, maintaining your weight is pretty much the goal, right? Like nobody's having any huge weight loss, um, you know, benchmarks or anything like that. But just if I'm telling my clients, like maintaining is winning at this point, because <laughs> it's yeah. just been really difficult to focus. Yeah. So, and, and like, you know, you need like snack reminders and just sort of like easy ideas. I know, um, I've, I've been using my daughter, got this silly little, um, waffle maker. It's like a single unit waffle maker. And I have been jamming on that thing. Like all week I make, like I put egg whites and banana and a little protein powder and I do like a little crepe or I'll do just the Kodiak pancakes with a little bit of chocolate chips and things. And it's really been helping me sort of have a little bit of what I consider to be a treat. Um, but it's just keeping with my numbers and, and, you know, my goals there. So yeah, it's been hard. Well, actually it's funny you say that. Um, one of our former guests, Kelly Stone, she has been promoting the, the waffle pancake kind of thing with her protein powder and stuff for the last couple of weeks. Um, and she actually follows the show. Um, so that's really cool. And speaking yeah. of following, Hey, you can follow us all. We have our YouTube channel. Make sure you go there, like, and subscribe. Yeah, hit that hit that like button and then um and then also you can follow us all on instagram uh the show is at uh the clydesdale crossfitter and um we actually have everybody's instagram handles in the front of this on youtube uh, but for you listeners amy and kat if you want to give out your instagram handles if you want followers at team rudy and at kathy cakes we're talking about pancakes and waffles that just fits right in doesn't it i know right <laughs> you think. all right so let's um let's talk about the interview we did because i'm really excited about this one um it is one of the the my all-time favorite people that i've ever met not just in in crossfit but in in life in general she is just the real deal super authentic super genuine uh, and I'm so excited that she gave us like a full hour interview with her. Um, and it was really fun. So what did you guys think? Well, I don't know how I got so lucky to have my two favorite athletes interviewed like back to back. But I, I mean, she is one of my all time favorite athletes. I mean, this was, I mean, like I've, noticed her, you know, right when I started, you know, that was kind of really when she was really um, at her kind of peak with the, with the games, but then just, you know, besides just being an athlete, like just really learning more about her as far as like what she's doing out in the world, um, then just attracted me to her even more to just really support what she's doing on her, on her mission. Yeah. And to just be that dedicated of an athlete and to have to put so much time and effort into your education um, you know, to be a, a physician is just incredible. I've always wanted to be a doctor. I still say I will be one day, maybe. Um, but she's just, uh, she's, she's been a joy to follow and really just inspirational on a lot of levels. So this week we interviewed Julie Fouché Urcuyo, uh, and I'm just happy I got the name right. First yeah. time out. Um, <laughs> Good. That's awesome. Uh, so we'll go ahead and go to that interview and I hope you enjoy it. And when we come back, we'll finish up the show and uh, we'll see you then. Hey, Julie, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. We're great. It's actually a sunny day here in Ohio and uh, 
getting yes. to enjoy some outside weather a little bit. We are very thankful for that. We're hoping for more of those coming up. Well, we are so excited for you to be on with us. Um, it's, re it's really special for Amy and I because you were our CrossFit Level 1 instructor. Um, yes. And so it's kind of like a reunion for us. What year was that? Was that maybe 2014 or 15? 2015? Ah, uh, okay. Yes. And then I saw you at many regionals, I think. Many. many. Yeah. yeah <laughs> that, was, that was a good time. Yeah. So I got to ask you, you know, it has been crazy for you over the last couple months because you've kind of become uh, the face of COVID-19 for the CrossFit community and you have been everywhere. Are you doing okay? <laughs> Oh, I'm doing great, actually. Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting because when when all of this first started, um, you know, there's just so much uncertainty and no one really knew how things were going to go here in Ohio and in the U.S. And so I, you know, early on, I felt like I had I was in a position where I had to say something to the CrossFit community um, just about what we were facing and how we could all respond and. So I was lucky that I was able to do that with, you know, the op-ed and morning chalk up and talking to some gym owners and people that had questions about, you know, what, what they should do to try to keep their people safe. And um, now, you know, we've done, at least here in Ohio, I can't, you know, speak, you know, there's a lot of other hot spots around the country and around the world, but at least here in Ohio, we've done a really great job of flattening our curve. And so my day-to-day um, just in residency and the things that I'm doing has been very manageable. Um, actually this month I'm doing a lot of telemedicine, a lot of outpatient care, but through video and phone calls. Um, so it's a d very different than what I was expecting to be doing this month, but, um, you know, I'm grateful that we're doing such a good job at flattening our curve and we have now we have a lot of plans in place so that if the surge happens, we will be able to take care of people. Yeah, that's great. I, I, it's good to see some good news coming out of Ohio a little bit and looking like there is some light at the end of the tunnel and hopefully that surge isn't too great. Yeah. Um, DeWine so, should be giving his update today about what's going to be happening in Ohio for right. the next uh, coming weeks. I look forward to our 2 p.m. Yes. <laughs> Dr. Yeah. <Aston>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so have you always wanted to be a doctor? Um, actually for a while, I would say in high school was the first time I started really thinking about it. And then when I went to college, I had to make the decision. I, I ended up going to university of Michigan and I had to decide, you know, was I going to go towards a traditional pre-med track or the engineering school, which my dad sort of wanted me to go in the engineering route. So I had a good backup plan if I decided I didn't want to want to go into med school. And um, so I ended up doing engineering in college, biomedical engineering, and explored that for a while and different opportunities in terms of, you know, working as an engineer in industry or doing research. And ultimately, um, I still felt my way back to medicine. And for me, it was really about the the one-on-one -on -one and the, that physician patient relationship that you get to have that I think is really special. And so that's what drew me into medicine. But I, I definitely tried to explore all my options first, because as people told me, you know, you should only do it if there's nothing else you can really see yourself being happy doing and going into college at a big university, almost everyone seems to be pre-med. So I didn't want to <laughs> close any doors too early. So do you think that being, um, 
being in CrossFit and being involved in, in fitness and health that way, that that kind of led to your interest towards functional medicine or what kind of led to the functional medicine interest? Yeah, totally. So I, you know, I, my process of applying to med school happened in conjunction to when I started CrossFit. In those first couple of years, I was in CrossFit and going to my first level one back in 2010, um, hearing, you know, the methodology laid out on the whiteboard and about the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum and what this stuff is all about. It really was a light bulb moment for me to, to realize how important our lifestyle factors are in terms of keeping us healthy. And when I went into med school, I thought, for sure, I could rule out primary care. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I said, you know what, I've shadowed other primary care doctors. It seems too broad, too boring. Like I want to do, I want to be a specialist. I want to do something where I can understand one part of the body really well and be an expert in that area. Um, I didn't know what that was, but after the year or two of seeing what medicine was really like, I think I was very naive going in and seeing how big of an issue, you know, how broken our healthcare system is, how big of an issue our epidemic of chronic disease is, and how important, you know, the things that we do every day in our communities are in terms of creating our health. Um, I came back to primary care and realized that, you know, prevention was really where I wanted to spend my time. And so I think by having that open mind already and already seeing, you know, seeing some of the problems with the, with the healthcare system, seeing, you know, the experiences I was having in early med school where patients are coming in and, you know, they're having to, every time they come in every six months, get more blood pressure medicine or, um, you know, we talk to them about diet and exercise, no changes are made. They come back six months later, we're, you know, adding more medicines versus going to the CrossFit people are, you know, really taking control of their health and they're coming off medicines and they're gaining confidence and, you know, seeing these huge improvements. And so that already had my, you know, I already had my antennas up that you know, there's a better way um, to do this than what we're doing in our conventional system. And so then when I heard about functional medicine for the first time, which was in 2014, you know, I was lucky the Cleveland Clinic opened the Center for Functional Medicine at that time, and I just on a whim went to a lecture um, by Dr. Kaiman to announce the center, and I didn't realize that's what it was. I thought it was just some talk about functional medicine, and I said, okay, I'll check out, see what this is, and realized how big of a deal it was, and it was a very similar experience as he explained what functional medicine was to, you know, my level one and hearing the methodology behind CrossFit, and it was this light bulb moment of, wow, this is how medicine should be practiced. It makes so much more sense the person as a whole and get to the root cause of, of symptoms instead of just it's on problems. And so um, ever since then, you know, that I you know is going to be important for the way that I practice medicine. So just for the layman, what, what is the biggest um, difference between traditional medicine and functional medicine? Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, really it's kind of like, you know, CrossFit and functional movement, like we should just be calling it movement or, you know, functional medicine. We should really just be calling it medicine. It's just good medicine. But for some reason we've strayed off the path. And so we need this functional term in front of it to clarify that it's different. But functional medicine is really about looking at the body as a system and trying to address the underlying causes of symptoms. So for, you know, a great example is depression, they come into the office and they explain, I have these symptoms and you say, okay, that sounds like depression. I'm going to give you an antidepressant medicine. You know, that would be the conventional way of treating it. 
versus functional medicine would say, hey, let's, like, let's take a look at your entire life from before you're born up until now. Let's look at all the different exposures you've had, the experiences you've had, how your symptoms have played out in that timeline. And then let's try to figure out why you're depressed. You know, is it because of a situation that you've been in? Is it because, you know, you're eating gluten and you really have a gluten sensitivity and should be eating that? Is it because you have nutrient deficiencies for one reason or another? Is it because you aren't exercising at all? You aren't moving your body? You know, there's so many other underlying causes. Um, and if we can address those, then we don't necessarily need to rely on these medications long-term. Um, but what I like about functional medicine too is that it's not, it's very agnostic prevention. So, you know, it's not like we use interventions from all types of medicine, sometimes alternative medicine, things like acupuncture or, you know, supplements or herbal therapies or um, various lifestyle therapies like exercise and stress management, um, or you use pharmaceutical medications when needed in the appropriate um, setting. But, you know, you're always trying to look for what's that underlying cause and is that something that we can address? And so it's a natural fit that you have become kind of a major player in the CrossFit um, L1, MD, MDL1, I'm sorry, MDL1. <laughs> uh, and so what, what kind of role are you playing? Is it just like seminar staff for regular L1s? Um, what, what is the difference between the MDL1 and the regular L1? Yeah, that's a great question. So it really is, it's the exact same level one. So I'm really, I have the same role, whether it was, you know, your level one in 2015 or at these seminars. Um, the only difference is that these seminars um, are for physicians only. So right now it's just MD and DO doctors and they're held every two months out at CrossFit HQ. Um, and Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit, his goal, I think, is really just to network doctors who maybe initially felt sort of isolated and in their views of, you know, understanding that there is a, you know, a solution and that CrossFit can have a lot of potential in helping chronic disease, but feeling very alone in their own, you know, health systems and places around the country and trying to network them. Um, and try to empower them to think of ideas and creative solutions for how we can, you know, get CrossFit to people who need it the most. And that's, I think so far, that's what it's doing. It's working. It's been going for, I want to say, two years now, um, maybe in, in its third year of doing. Um, but it's really the exact same seminar, you know, the, that's the only difference. And then the, at the same time now, there's also sort of a continuing education conference that happens simultaneously in the next room where some of these doctors come back and we'll hear from really amazing speakers that come in from around the world, talk about different medical topics. And again, you know, a lot of networking happens from that. Um, actually, I think that they are working on getting continuing education credits so that, you know, doctors will be able to actually count these towards their continuing education and use, you know, money to travel for them that they would otherwise use to travel to conferences. So I think that'll be really exciting too. And how long have you been with CrossFit level or the seminar staff? I started with the seminar staff in 2013, but um, it's been very, you know, intermittent. <laughs> There's been times where I've gone a whole year with any seminars when I was in, you know, certain parts of my medical training, but so at least for these last couple of years, I've been trying to make it to as many of the MDL ones as I can. Cool. Well, we just, we wanted to go down memory lane real quick. Okay. So I'm going to hold up this picture. Oh Hopefully you can see it. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yes. And so that was our, our level one. Wait, that's with, your box, right? The Superman shirt? Uh, it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of our logos that we had. Okay. We don't really use it much anymore, but, cool. but yeah. <laughs> Back in 2015, we did. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so I kind of want to move into your podcast and your new website. Awesome. Uh, that you just announced that you're, you, what, maybe two or three months ago, you made a huge change. Um, you've been busy. Yeah, we've been busy. Finally, yeah. I mean, we've been working on them for a long time, but yeah. <laughs> finally they came, came so, out. So really you're, you're involving your husband a lot more in the podcast now. And so how did you meet Danny? Well, we actually met in college and we met before, actually he was the one who introduced me to CrossFit. So we met in the summer of 2009 at the University of Michigan. We were both living in the same dorm. And he, he was actually looking in the dorm. He was looking at CrossFit.com because he was looking up the workout for the next day. He had just been doing them in our school rec center. And I was like, what, what's that? That looks really interesting. And so he was telling me about it. And then we started doing some of the workouts at our school gym. And then it really wasn't long, a few weeks until we joined our local CrossFit affiliate um, and started dating and kind of the rest is history. So that was like more than 10 years ago now. So wow. when you guys started, who was better? Uh, probably Danny, because he had been doing it. He knew how to do all the moves and everything. Um, I don't know. It's funny. We joke about how, you know, we did all the same programming. Like, you know, for that first summer, we did classes at our gym. And then in the fall, there were some guys at the gym who wanted to try and do some local competitions. And so they were going to do some extra training. I said, okay, you know, I'll just do it with you and see what happens. And we did the same training every single day. And he's like, and then there was just a point where you kind of took off. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was interesting, but, but yeah, it's been a, you know, a big part of our relationship ever since the beginning. And, and he is a physician as well. Yeah. Yeah. He was a year ahead of me in college. So he, you know, had already been applying to med school. Actually that first summer when we first started dating, he was trying to take the M and I always laugh because he ended up, I think, postponing it an extra month or two or something because we were spending too much time hanging out <laughs> instead of studying. Um, but so he applied and he went to med school in Cleveland and I was still in Michigan for a year. And then I, you know, a lot of these things are just crazy the way they work out. I ended up getting accepted to the same school in Cleveland, which, you know, was kind of a miracle because it was a very small school. And if I didn't get accepted to that school, I probably would have stayed in Michigan where, you know, schools would have been much cheaper for me. Um, and so, you know, then I followed him there and then I took an extra year of med school. So then we ended up basically being two years. I was two years behind him in training. We kind of followed each other every step of the way. Um, we stayed and both did family medicine in Cleveland. Um, and now he's doing telemedicine with a company called StudyMD. So yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. <laughs> And so I, I would say your podcast and the website have taken more of a medical turn um, and you've added extra podcasts a month yeah, um, and extra programming. Yes. Do you want to tell us some of the details of all that? Sure. So, you know, I started the podcast in 2015, Pursuing Health Podcast. And for me, it was initially just a way to kind of stay in touch with the CrossFit community after I stopped competing 
And I had met so many amazing people and had so many awesome opportunities as an athlete that I wanted to be able to share those stories to a wider audience. And I really liked the podcast format, the kind of one-on-one conversation. And, you know, it was scary for me at the beginning because I'm not, you know, I didn't really like to put myself out there that way, but I had a friend who encouraged me to do it and I'm so glad I did. Um, and you know, some of the advice I got early on was just, you have to be consistent. Like if you say you're going to publish an episode every two weeks, you have to do it. You have to deliver on it. And so I've been really committed to that. And we've published an episode at least every two weeks for the last five years. And, um, you know, then along the way, sort of in that same time frame of 2015, I started an online training program, which has been really amazing. And just another way to kind of keep connected with athletes and a community. And so I had that going on in the podcast and I had this old website that was more of an athlete website. I think I made in 2012. It was very outdated. And so, you know, Danny and I were just talking about, okay, how can we bring all of this stuff together and we use it to kind of further support our mission now, which is really trying to bridge the gap between fitness and medicine. And over the last five years, the podcast has really evolved with me. So at first I was mainly an athlete and I was interviewing a lot of fitness experts. And as time has evolved, I've started to interview more physicians and researchers and, you know, various other health experts. You know, I still interview athletes too, because I think that's still important and awesome, but um, really mixing in more of the medical and health topics. And so what we did with this website that we've been working on, literally we started working, we started working on it before I started residency. So it was over three years ago and I was like, Oh, I have a, I have a month off, you know, before I start residency, I'll just get this website done. No problem. It'll be great. We'll launch it. You know, little did did I know it's not so easy to make a website. Um, And we learned a lot along the way and we changed things, you know, dramatically from what we thought we originally wanted to do, but I'm really happy with where we're at now. Um, So it really just brings all these things under one roof. It's the Pursuing Health website. You know, we have the podcast, we have some more blog um, posts. So I, you know, on the podcast, I do from time to time feature story. You know, I think we have so many amazing stories of people in the CrossFit community that have overcome huge health challenges using CrossFit and using other modalities. And, you know, I wanted to share more of those because every other week, you, you know, you don't get to put out a lot of episodes every year. So now we're sharing more of those on the blog. We're sharing things like recipes. Um, we, I still have the same training program, but we added two more programs that are a little more accessible to people. So we have a a 30 minute at home workout program, which has come in very handy for us now. That's what, really what Danny and I are doing every day. Cause we don't have really much equipment here at home. And then, um, our morning five program, which is just something that Danny and I started doing, you know, in med school when we had really early mornings and we basically would just get up and move for five minutes. Like a lot of times it would be doing some burpees or jumping on the bike or stretching, just doing something to help us wake up. And it was, such, you know, we liked it so much. It became part of our routine. And so now we're just sharing that with other people. Um, and then, you know, with the podcast, instead of the every other week episodes, which we still have, and I'm still doing those interviews. Now we're mixing in on the odd weeks, Danny and I are doing episodes together. And so that's where more, I would say more of the medical kind of direct medical topics come in. And, you know, we're still not, we're not giving medical advice, but we're starting to address more of those questions that we get all the time. 
um, you know, I would get emails from people or get people writing in asking questions and, you know, it's hard because, you know, I can't keep up with all the questions, but now we're trying to, to figure out, okay, what are the most common questions we get asked and let's do an episode about it. And then we have something that we can point people to. And so that's what we've been really trying to do. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a process. Um, you know, Danny and I working, <laughs> learning how to record podcasts together has been very interesting, but we are getting better every single time. So it's been a lot of fun. I really like those medical ones. I know my mom is 72 and she's been on a statin for probably 10 or 15 years now. Um, she's a retired nurse. So she loves sort of the medical talk. Yeah. Happens. I remember I just forwarded to her your, um, the podcast you guys did on statins and high cholesterol. And she's been coming here to my gym to work out like once a week. And she's a fan now. So she's awesome. excited. Very cool. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff that we want. And, you know, part of our frustration too comes because, you know, some of the problems with our medical system are that we just don't have a lot of time with patients. And, you know, most primary care visits are 20 minutes at most, you know, most of them are shorter. And so a lot of these things, you know, are not in practice. We don't have a lot of time to talk about them. Like that, that episode we did about statins, we spent 30 minutes talking about all the pros and cons and the things you should consider. And, you know, in reality, you know, most people don't have that much time to sit down with their doctor and learn all of those things. So what we're trying to do is put out more of that information so that people can just be more empowered and then, you know, ask the right questions when they go talk to their doctor. Well, the, the other thing I love about your website is um, and about your training programs is it's, it's so much, it's so accessible to all many, all different ages and, and stages of life that I think that it's so much, um, it's more, it's less intimidating, that it's more accessible to people. And I think that that's great. So that, you know, that kind of just speaks to the, the background of functional medicine. Like, let's just get moving and getting your body moving, no matter where you might be on that. On that yeah. Journey. Well, thanks. And yeah, that's, that is our goal. And we, you know, we still have plans to try to make them even more accessible and provide more support um, because we realize it's really hard to get started. You know, it's not, for anyone, regardless of, you know, even if you've been active earlier in your life, if you've never been active before, it's really hard and really intimidating. And, you know, a lot of this stuff came out of us seeing patients and realizing we don't have a place where we can send people to where we know that they're going to get good information, or we know they're going to get the right type of support to get started with some of these things. So that's what we're trying to build out. And it's still, it's still a process. It's definitely has a lot of room to grow, but, but that's our goal. I think what's kind of ironic is when you first launched it, you said those, those would be called pearls, mm -hmm. those off week um, episodes, and that they would be about 15 minutes in duration. I know. I need to change my intro. <laughs> <laughs> we have yet that timeline. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you envisioned COVID-19 exploding like it did. Um, and then I think there's such, people are starving so much for some of this information that they want it to go 30 minutes. Yeah. And we tried, I mean, even the one, we did one about stress and like the first version was like an hour and we're like, okay, <laughs> this, is too, this is too much. Let's cut it down. We ended up doing like the 10 ways that we combat stress. And even that took 30 minutes for us to record. So I think probably 30 minutes is more um, in line with what we can expect to do in the future. I just need to change my intro. <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing you've done too is, is turned it into a subscription model. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I'm actually a subscriber. Um, <laughs> Yeah, awesome. Because uh, I like all the extra stuff that comes with that. Yeah. Um, and you've also given up the endorsements or the sponsors of the podcast 
um, so that you have no influence from the sponsors on what you talk about, which is really cool. Yeah, that was a sort of a decision that Danny and I made together um, a little a while ago. And, you know, it was sort of a weird position because I had had amazing sponsors as an athlete. And then, you know, some of them were still around, some of them sort of trickled off over the last few years. And, you know, there's always opportunities, people reaching out, wanting you to post whatever on Instagram about their latest product. But, you know, we felt like we had to come up with ourselves, what is going to be our philosophy on working with different companies and what feels right to us now that we are, you know, practicing doctors. And we really felt strongly that we just didn't want to accept money from industry just because, you know, in any, we want to do, obviously there's, it's impossible to completely eliminate bias, but we wanted to do the best we could to eliminate bias from and help, you know, help facilitate trust between the people who are listening um, so that they know, you know, even the, even the sponsors that I had on the podcast before are all amazing. They're all products that I use. I still use, but there's something about, you know, reading about a sponsor at the beginning of the podcast. And then you feel like maybe as people are listening, they're thinking you're only saying this because you're getting paid, you know? And we just never wanted that to be a question in someone's mind when they're listening to the things that we're talking about. And we also wanted to have the freedom to talk about any kind of products without, you know, violating a contract or, you know, talking about someone's competitor. We want to be able to talk openly and honestly about our experience with things that are out there. Um, and so in doing that, what we decided to do is this subscriber model, which basically, you know, people who are fans of the podcast or who want to subscribe to the website, just pay a monthly membership of varying levels. And then as part of that, um, you get access to the workout programs. Um, you get access to discount codes from companies. So we still do have a lot of companies that we love. We still use, and they've offered discount codes for our subscribers, but we are completely off, you know, free from receiving any money. So even, you know, a lot of companies will do like affiliate programs where, you know, if you get a percentage of whatever they sell to your subscribers, but we don't even do something like that. It's just purely, you know, the subscribers getting the benefit and then we're getting the subscription from the subscribers. And then we do some like fun things like ask us any, anything videos and live video chats and things like that. So we're hoping to, you know, continue to expand that too in the future, but that's where we're, where we're starting. And so if people are interested in becoming a subscriber or just looking at your content, where, where can they go to do that? Yeah, the website is pursuing-health.com. So unfortunately, we couldn't get pursuinghealth.com. It was, we tried, but pursuing-health.com is where it's all at. Okay, awesome. So now I guess you were an athlete as well. <laughs> so we'll talk a little bit about your CrossFit career. Sure. Um, you were a four-time CrossFit Games athlete. Yes. Uh, never finishing outside the top five. Mm -hmm. That That is just... When I, when I saw that, when I was doing research, I mean, I knew you were a great athlete, but that just blew me away. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was only, it was four years. Now you look at some of these athletes who've been doing it for like 10 years. That's crazy. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was very lucky. I had a great experience while I was competing. And so you podium twice. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's funny when I first got into CrossFit is when you were at the peak of your of your athletic career. So you were like one of the first names I recognized and knew and, and rooted for. And I think you were, you were in Ohio at that point or no, you were still in Michigan. Yeah, I was in Ohio for most of my career. I moved here in 2011. So. 
Yeah, so you were like the local Ohio girl that everybody rooted for um, around here. And so that was a lot of fun for us. Um, what are some of the highlights from your, your first couple of years going to the games? Oh, gosh. Um, I think, I mean, still just the fact that I even qualified that first year was still so unreal to me. I mean, that was 2010, and that was the first year the games went to the StubHub Center, the big arena, instead of being at the ranch in Aromas. And so that was really cool and being around for the, you know, the, the kind of the big growth of the CrossFit games. I mean, getting, you know, we, we really were there in 2010, nobody had any sponsors. All of a sudden all these sponsors start coming in, Reeboks coming in, you know, the games are on ESPN. It was just, it was cool to be around during that time and seeing the games grow so quickly and seeing the caliber of the athletes, accelerate so quickly. I mean, I look back to the things that I could do in 2010 and it's laughable now. I mean, it's stuff that like most, I don't want to say most, but like a lot of people at every affiliate around the world can probably do that now. And so just the level of athleticism of our entire CrossFit community has improved so much over the last 10 years, which has been cool to see. Um, and then just learn, you know, the games, training for and competing in the games, I think it's similar to just doing CrossFit in any capacity. It just teaches you so much about yourself. It teaches you these really important lessons. You know, you have challenges and you become better for it. And so I'm, I'm always grateful for that. So you grew up as a gymnast. Mm -hmm. How, how big of a part did that play in your success? I think it played a big role for sure, because, you know, I wasn't even great at a lot of the gymnastics movements starting out. Like it took me a while to learn to muscle up. My handstand pushups were not great. Um, but what gymnastics does for you is it allows you to have good body awareness and to learn new movements relatively easily. So, you know, it still took me a while to learn the movements, but I think just having that background really sped up my learning curve. Um, and even little things like, for example, in 2010, it, we were at the games and they announced the workout with pistols and pistols were not a frequently done movement in CrossFit at that time. It was sort of a new movement. I had never done them in CrossFit, but growing up as a gymnast, that was something we did all the time in our conditioning. So, you know, it was pretty easy for me to figure out in the warm-up area and then you know, <laughs> the workout. <laughs> do, do you like it when, it when it's something that's a surprise and you have to figure it out in the warm-up area as opposed to something uh, that you got to plan for? Uh, it depends on what it is. I <laughs> it's something I can figure out. Yes. Um, but there's been other times, like for example, 2012, they announced the, the handstand pushup standard with the parallettes and like this big deficit. And that was a workout that I completely bombed. And I wish I would have spent more time trying to figure it out in the warm up area, but the way it happened, I was, I think I was like back at my hotel resting when they announced it. And then I came back and like didn't want to overdo it before the workout. And so I didn't really figure out the technique and that ended up really hurting me. So it can be good sometimes if it's a strength, but you know, it can also be hard. Yeah. That's, that's regretfully, that's one of my first memories of the CrossFit games. Yeah. Cause I started in 2011 okay. uh, and the 2012 games were the first games I actually watched. Yeah. Yeah. That was devastating. Yeah. That was tough, but like <laughs> it, it teaches you important lessons, right? <laughs> I uh, I went back and rewatched the uh, the peer event from 2011 mm, that you yeah. that you won. So a couple questions on that. Do you still have the purple bathing suit? 
I think I do. I would have to dig Iconic. it. I hopefully do. Cause I think I used to wear it like to train and stuff. Yeah. That was like, you know, in 2011, we didn't do a lot of swimming and that was the only bathing suit I had. <laughs> no, it was great. It was great. No, everyone looked different. Um, I noticed too, you were probably like fifth or sixth coming into the rig that just for people that don't remember the event was a swim, a run, chest to bar pull-ups, hand release push-ups, air squats, and then a run. So after coming off of that first run, you get onto the rig and you crushed those chest to bar pull-ups. Like it, it, you were, you were into the hand release push-ups before anyone else, like before people even got to that. And was that, had you practiced those? Had you done those? Cause I think for some people they had never even seen those in competition before. Yeah. I, you know, it's hard for me to remember exactly the timeline, but I always remember, you know, I trained a lot of pull-ups and I was, that was a movement that was always very good for me. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Like doing and things. Then it, what was really interesting was to watch everyone do the 200 air squats. Mm -hmm. Um, your form was beautiful, which is probably why, you know, you got picked to be recorded <laughs> to do all that. But I'm looking at like Annie Thor's daughter who has her hands on her thighs the entire time. And apparently that was okay to do back then. Yeah, I guess it was all right. <laughs> um, some people just cantilevering forward, like looking underneath of them to, yeah. to get into that squat. It was crazy, but you, you were slow and controlled and just, you know, perfect. So it was pretty cool to watch. Thanks. Yeah. That was always one of my strengths for whatever reason. Um, you know, just kind of having the consistent pace and not, you know, I was never the best at like the one rep max or the all out sprints, but being able to sustain a relatively fast pace for a long time was one of my strengths, which is, I think, good when it comes to CrossFit. <laughs> well, in 2013, you, you decided to take a break uh, to focus on medical school. Um, but during that time, you were selected to demo the movements of yeah. the CrossFit Open. Yeah. Um, was that, that, that had to be a pretty big honor at that time. It really was. I mean, it was a huge honor. It was also sort of scary for me because <laughs> I felt like, you know, felt like quote unquote, I was out of shape <laughs> because I had taken the year off and I wasn't training like I normally would. And so it was, for me, it felt sort of very vulnerable to go out there and do these workouts. And, you know, they, it was classic CrossFit. You know, I didn't really know what I was going to have to do. I get there, I landed, I was getting my rental car and I like listen and I have a voicemail from Dave saying, Oh, by the way, we're going to have you do all these workouts while you're here. And so I'm like, what? I was only going to be there for like 48 hours. So we ended up doing, I think like three of the workouts one day and two of the workouts the next day and filming all the standards. And you know, it just made me be like, okay, like I'm just going to do the best I can. And this is where I'm at right now. And I'm not in perfect CrossFit game shape and that's okay. And, you know, it was so fun and it was such an honor. Truly it was to be able to, to do that. I think so. That's something I'll definitely remember forever. And then in 2014, you come back after the year off. Mm -hmm. um, I remember the regionals in Cincinnati. You look like you were on fire. Yeah. yeah I were hungry. <laughs> looking back. Yeah. I think that was, and I heard, you know, years later I was with, um, Sam Briggs, I think it was two, yeah, 2017 after their regional in Madrid. And she said something like that, like that's where she's like, I think that was, if you had been in that shape at the games in 2014, things would have been different. And I think looking back to maybe, I think that was sort of the peak for me was at the regionals that year because I was just so ready to get back into competition. Um, 
and I felt, you know, that was one of definitely one of my best competitions. Yeah, and, I was working. Do, the, oh, go ahead, Amy. No, you go because it was yours is about that regional. Go ahead. So yeah, I worked the uh, the 2014 regionals as the media credential, and okay. we were right beside the rig. Yeah. Um, at that time, and so I got to watch every event up close, awesome. and it was you just were awesome that weekend. It was, it was the two memorable things from that weekend were you and then Scott and Rich going toe to toe on every event. It's always our region for the guys was always exciting to watch. There were a lot of amazing women in that region that year too. Oh, um, yeah. And you, you crushed it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so you knew going into the 2014 season though, that it, you were going to give it 2014 and 2015. And then that was going to be your yep. break with that right yeah so so you came in you were pretty hungry and, and did that and then yeah crushed the games I mean um in 2014 as well yeah you know I think the games went well too obviously I you know I ended up doing well I think for for some reason at the games I felt a little bit flat like it wasn't like the same fire that I had at regionals that year um I had had an injury um, that I was dealing with between regionals and the games that I think just, it didn't affect my, I think my fitness or my training, but I think it just threw things off a little bit. Um, But, you know, for some, whatever reason it was, I don't know if I was like just nervous or just, um, you know, you know, didn't, it didn't have the same kind of like fire that I did at regionals. And I was so grateful you know, to end up back on the podium at the end of the weekend and like sneaking back up there really in the last event. Mm-hmm. Um, but that for me, I think was another one of those lessons of, you know, every year I, I sort of gradually learned and built up my confidence to know and believe in myself that I was capable of winning. And that for me was always my, my biggest struggle, I think was my own confidence. And so after that year, I think I, you know, I focused on it a lot in 2014 and in 2015. And I think in 2015, I was definitely mentally stronger than ever, um, but obviously didn't end up going to the games that year. But I think a lot of the, just the work that I did definitely made me mentally stronger. So you finished on the podium twice at the games. You know, the 15 season didn't end as planned. Um, but you coming back out on the floor with the boot, I mean, it will be one of a vivid memory for all CrossFit fans forever. Uh, and doing the handstands and, and I, I, was it bar muscle ups? I think it was chest bar pull-ups again and handstand uh, ups. I think something like I that. I remember it was something on the rig and you had to kind of come down on one leg. Yeah. Um, but uh, what the, the outpouring of love and support from the, the crowd, mm-hmm. what, what was, what was the bigger feeling that or the podium finish? Oh gosh. I mean that for sure. I think, that and it's different I mean they're very different moments but I mean that moment for me of you know after doing my handstand walk and then I think I had talked was talking to someone over in the corner of the floor I think they did like an interview and then the rest of the floor had totally cleared and I basically had to walk across the floor to get back to the athlete area by myself and I will remember that moment forever it was like one of the most powerful moments of my life for sure, because you just, I literally felt the entire CrossFit community, like being there for me when I was going through this really vulnerable moment. And 
I mean, that's what it's all about. Like that's what the CrossFit community is all about on a, you know, that was on a much bigger scale, but it's the same thing that happens every single day in our gyms where you're just clapping for the person next to you or cheering people on when they're trying to get a new skill. And, um, you know, it was, it was really cool. So how long did it take you to wrap your mind around that? Like, cause it, it had to be emotional that your season ended that quickly. Um, yeah. And it was an epic moment, but I'm sure it took some time to kind of wrap around that. For sure. I think, you know, the initial, the weekend was tough. Like it was amazing to still be able to compete and feel the support, but you know, just processing it was tough. And then um, when I got home, you know, I think it, in general, it, it was easier than I thought because there was always something to kind of keep looking towards. Like I had to get my surgery. Then I focused on the rehab and, you know, Danny and I were getting married later that summer. So there's a lot of wedding planning and we bought a house and, um, I was getting ready to go back full time into med school, which I had been planning on. So there was a lot to focus on that was good. I think to kind of distract me and keep me focused on what was next. Um, and then you had to improve cool. Amy and I's air squat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to, you know, and it was cool for me to still be involved at the games that year. I, um, I still went and was part of the demo team, even though I couldn't test the workouts. I think I was like, I don't know, just hanging around basically, but it was nice that I still could be involved and, um, you know, still see the games from that, from that venue or that viewpoint. Um, so it, it was hard, but it wasn't, it really wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. So I have a question about your surgery. Yeah. How do you feel being from Michigan that your surgeon was a former Ohio State? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Amy well, graduated from Ohio State, just so yeah, you know. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, we kind of accept that. Like moving to Ohio, <laughs> you're just going to meet a lot of people who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, that was another, it was really cool how that worked out too, because yeah. my surgeon ended up being my gymnastics coach. So yeah. he, um, he and his wife, had been coaching in gymnastics for CrossFit for the past two years. He was a podiatry, you know, foot and ankle surgeon. And, um, you know, we had been working on so many things that were helpful in that regional. Like we had been working on handstand walks with ankle weights on and all these things that like then when I had to do a handstand walk in a boot, it was no problem. Um, and he was just, you know, I thought a lot about like, who did I want my surgeon to be? Because, you know, some people maybe don't want someone that they know to be their surgeon or keep those things separate. But I'm so glad that he did my surgery and it, you know, it was really great to have a familiar face and someone who kind of understood what I was going through emotionally as well. So, you know, it's cool. It's life has funny ways of kind of coming full circle. And one of the athletes at our gym actually was on the same Ohio state team. Oh, him. really? Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> he that's does a lot. Thing. I mean, he still does. He goes back yeah. I meet every year and um, he's very involved with their program. So in their gym, their practice facility used to be right next to where Rogue was, um, where we did your seminars. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know exactly where it is. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So um, Julie, that, that injury, that Achilles injury, I know there've been a couple other athletes since then, like Alethea Boone and um, Alexis just recently. Have they, do they reach out to you? Have you reached out to them? Like, you know, in terms of support and ideas and therapy and things like that? Yeah, just in small ways. I think just through like social media, um, we've, you know, communicated and, you know, I, I didn't know either of them very closely before it happened, but I'm always trying to 
you know, offer my support. I think with Alethea, I was there at the games when it happened. And so got to talk to her a little bit there and see her afterwards. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. And like the whole, I mean, the, the community is great with their support. And I, I think I get, I get more messages from people too, who maybe are not CrossFit Games athletes, but are just, you know, have the same injury in their box and are like, how do I rehab? What do I, what should I focus on? And so that's definitely another topic that we want to address on the vlog sometime soon. So you said you, you only went to the games four times, but yet you're there every year because you've become such a staple in the community and such an ambassador for CrossFit. Um, how does that make you feel that, you know, you retired in 2015, here we are in 2020, and you're still a major, um, a major personality in the CrossFit community? It's super cool. I mean, it's a tight knit community and it's cool to be able to still be involved. I think a big part of that is because of, you know, being involved in seminar staff, um, having the podcast. Those are, you know, like I said, I'm really grateful that I've done those things to kind of keep myself involved in the CrossFit community. Um, because it's such a huge, it's always going to be a huge part of my life. And, you know, I wouldn't, it's been different to go and watch the games as a spectator, but a lot of fun. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't miss it. It's still so cool and, and, and a lot of fun to cheer all the athletes on and then be able to experience the games from a different perspective. Has, has anyone reached out to you about judging at the ranch in August? No, but I would not want that job. <laughs> I would be the worst judge ever. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be so hard. I do not, I respect so much all of the people who are judges at any event because it is not an easy job um, because you just, you know, you want to be objective, but you also feel for people and you know what they're suffering through with these workouts. So it's hard. So do you have any future goals or anything that you, that you want to accomplish in the next few years? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm graduating from residency at the end of June. So I'm excited to start as a full fledged family doctor and start practicing on my own. Um, so Danny and I have some plans for that, which we'll be talking about hopefully in the very near future. Um, you know, I'm 31. So family is also on the horizon. I don't know how soon, but that's definitely something that's important to us. So hopefully, you know, that'll be in the next few years as well. Well, I kind of wanted to finish this podcast as a tribute to you by oh. asking you the three questions you ask every one of your oh. guests. Okay. Turning the tables. <laughs> Turning the tables. So can you tell me three things you do on a regular basis that have an, a significant impact in your healthy living? Um, yeah, it's so hard. I, I've answered this before for myself and I always try to like lump multiple things into one so I can, <laughs> but I would probably say, um, for me, I do think movement is really important. And I know, I know when I don't move or if, if I go periods without exercising or moving, I, do not feel well. I like, I start to feel like not myself. So I think movement is very important. Um, I think sleep is also very important. That's something that I put a lot of emphasis on. I've always been a good sleeper. It's always something that, you know, I don't like to sacrifice. Um, I have to sometimes, but I don't like it. <laughs> and then the third I would say is probably just surrounding myself with good people and, um, you know, trying to 
have good relationships because at the end of the day, I think that's probably the most important thing. That's awesome. So what is the one thing you're working on to get better at? For me, it's really um, parasympathetic stimulation. (laughs) So like the mindfulness, the deep breathing, the like taking time to relax. I am definitely the type of person who has always just been go, go, go ever since I was little. And I, I like, you know, I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I'm not very good at taking breaks and I know that's not good for me in the long run. And I, you know, try to practice what I preach, but it's not always easy. So it's something that I'm working on is working in more, even, even small things like just taking breaks, going for walks, being outside, doing, you know, some deep breathing or some meditation throughout the day, something I'm always working on. And finally, what does a healthy life look like to you? Ooh, I think, I think that a healthy life is some, is a life where you can do the things that you were made to do, whatever it is that is your passion and your purpose in life without having your physical or mental health hold you back. So, you know, I think that the reason you have to stop and think about like, why do I actually want to be healthy? You know, I think a lot of people are sort of obsessed with optimizing their health and, you know, living long lives, but what's the point if you're not doing something that you're really excited about or using the body and the mind that you have to do something that um, really like gives back or gives you a lot of meaning. So to me, that's what a healthy life is. That's great. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those are my questions. Do you guys have some questions before we let her go? I want to know who moves better, you or James Hobart? James Hobart, hands down. He is an angel mover. <laughs> did, did you guys rec- did you guys record those um, those movements together, or were you separate for that? Most of them were together. Um, there was like a couple big times that we recorded a majority of them, and then since then, there's been a few times where we filled in a gap separately, but most of them were together. I just wanted to say thank you for all you that you do, and. Um, for, for working with the functional medicine and for bringing it all to us and to informing us um, as, as fellow CrossFitters and, and people who are also interested in maintaining and um, improving our health. So we appreciate you and all you do. Well, thank you. And we're all learning together. It's all <laughs> process. <laughs> and just a reminder, if people want to know more, it's pursuing-health.com yep. uh, to be a subscriber or just read more about Julie and what they're trying to accomplish her and her husband, Danny. Uh, Cause it's amazing. It's great stuff. Um, you know, I know Amy and I for sure have been listeners since episode one, which was the rich froning episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rich yeah. Back in and then you, you just did a rich froning episode two yeah. episodes ago, maybe. Yeah. We just yeah. did another one with rich and his wife, Hillary. So um, yeah. So it's crazy how time flies. Well, thank you so much for your time, Julie. Uh, it was great getting to see you again. It's been a couple years and uh, it seemed like every there for a while I was seeing you like every six months. I know. Now we don't have regionals. There's like yeah. into each other so often. <laughs> the only question I did forget to ask you is about the marathon row that your family does. Oh yeah. That's a great one. Um, that's been a fun tradition. We started doing that. Gosh, I can't, I think this year was our sixth, our sixth year, but We started doing it, I think, because I had seen Sam Briggs post. She had done a marathon herself, of course, um, (laughs) for a charity one year around Christmas time. 
And we said, you know, we were at Danny's parents' house and they have a rower that they use just in their living room. And we said, okay, I'm not doing a full marathon, but maybe we can do it together. So we split it up the distance and we wrote a marathon and then we donated to a charity and then it became a tradition. So every year, you know, then we got my family involved and this past year we got another family involved. So, you know, we just basically split up the distance. We keep rowing until we row a marathon. We usually put some Christmas movies on in the background. We usually row ours on Christmas day, but um, the last couple of years we've tried to make it into a bigger movement. So other people can get involved. We, you know, raise money for a charity. This past year we did um, barbells for boobs because Danny's mom is battling breast cancer right now. So we chose that one. And, you know, every year we get more people involved and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun family tradition for us to do something active um, on the holidays when we're all together. So what's the best way to break it up? <laughs> We've tried different ways. I think we usually stick to doing about a thousand meters at a time. Um, and switching out around that, you know, sometimes the taller guys like to do a little bit more, but for me, I think a thousand meters is good. And then you can keep the pace up a little bit faster, but we've also done, you know, longer, like, you know, row two or three K at a time and then switch out. It just depends. There's a lot of different ways to approach it. Awesome. Tall guys always trying to show off. I know. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think actually this past year we did a lot because we did it with our gym and then we did it with our families and then when we did it with our gym, Danny actually wrote the whole thing, you know, straight through because he had oh. never done a marathon. I have never done one, but yeah, he went for it and I was very impressed. He still beat <laughs> my team of like seven people. So. <laughs> so we did it over at the gym over a 30 day period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's manageable. Yeah. That's a lot of rowing. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you very much again for taking some time out for us. It was great seeing you. Um, And as always, a lot of great information and we really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for having me on. This was fun. Um, And I appreciate your support. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Get some rest. Wow. So that was really awesome of Julie to take some time out. I know she has been swamped with requests to be on podcasts and different shows and the morning chalk up. Uh, to talk about COVID because she's so knowledgeable on that subject um, with her with her profession and her education. Um, so we didn't want to hit her with a bunch of COVID stuff. We wanted to talk more about some happy things like the direction of her website uh, and wh- what she's doing with Pursuing Health and Danny and, uh, and stuff like that. So yeah. any thoughts? Yeah, I think it's great. Just they are putting out a lot of content. Um, um, and a lot of different options um, as far as, you know, m- meeting a lot of people. So like just meeting, you know, people who maybe just might be diving to start into kind of just movement and fitness. And then um, for those of us who have been you know doing CrossFit for a long time, there's just a lot of content with that and, and nutrition and recipes. And I love that they're doing this all together. I think it's a great combination. So, yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to the news of the day. And there was a lot of news this week. So the other night, um, Kat texted us that she felt that the age group online qualifier would be canceled. And lo and behold, two days later, it actually was. Uh, In an overnight announcement. I hate hate being right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in an overnight announcement, um, CrossFit announced that there will be no age group online qualifier this week or this year. Um, and so that, that really stinks. I, I just got to say, I understand it. We're in a place where 
a lot of things are getting canceled. Um, it just stinks for those people who put in all that time and effort and, you know, don't get to compete. Well, I mean, the online qualifier, I mean, the online portion still counts, right? They're just not going to be moving forward. No? They are not crowning a fittest in those age groups. Okay, they're not crowning a fittest, but they still have that position? You probably, yeah, you probably still get bragging rights of top 10, but I don't know if they're going to come out with like an official leaderboard from it. And probably no medal. That's an interesting distinction. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess we can move into the next thing on our list to talk about was the next day, Dave Castro went live on Instagram, answering questions live uh, while he was shooting squirrels off the hill at the ranch to keep the ruts from forming. Dude is determined. Dude is determined to put on, put on a show at, at his house. But I, I uh, also, I don't think that's going to happen either. I really don't. Um, I thought the best part of that whole Instagram live was when someone called him out and said, why is the only person you're following on Instagram, a 12 year old girl? (laughs) I don't know if you caught that or not, but he doesn't follow anyone. And he was like, oh, well, I must have just clicked, you know, I must have been looking at something and accidentally clicked follow, but I'll unfollow her now because I don't follow anyone on Instagram. Right. <laughs> that was great. I'm surprised he even responded to it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think, I don't want to be, I don't want to pump up Debbie Downer down there in my screen, but um, I hope something happens. I hope there is a show, but. I, I'm with you. I think that there, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough to put anything on this year. Um, but he said in that in that IG live that uh, that I don't even think they're going to follow through with the appeal process for the age group online qualifiers. So that's why I don't think that it's anything official will come out from HQ about that. Yeah, you'll know that you are first on the leaderboard or podiumed on the leaderboard, but there's nothing you're not going to get an award or a certificate saying you did so. The other thing that was very obvious during that IG live is that he kept saying that we are trying to put on an individual competition for men and women. And there was, while there were questions for about teams, he avoided those uh, mightily during that. And I actually listened to Sean and Tommy later in the, after that occurred and I guess California has extended some stay at home stuff. Uh, and even they're saying that even when they come back, the numbers are going to be around 50 that can gather. So 50 gets you 10 teams and 10 people. Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, okay. it's just not practical. Or it gets you. Yeah. Even at 50, I mean, even if you have, you can really only have like 10 men and 10 women, right? 20 people. And then you figure 30 people support staff trying to run the event, right? Or 15 and 15. And then another, whatever that math is, but you know, like it doesn't really allow for a large group of people whatsoever. With small heats because, and then those poor judges, you know, cause you'd have to judge every heat cause you don't have backups or yeah, it's, it's going to be crazy. And he did say in that Instagram live that they are going to crown it the fittest on earth. I don't know how you do that. 
Yeah, I don't well, know. I, yeah, I mean, I think we're far enough away that all of this is just kind of conjecture at this point, and we really won't know much until we get closer. Yeah, I'm just, but I'm even thinking, I mean, we, and when we've been talking about this, but people aren't going to be able to get here. Well, he actually addresses that in the Instagram live. He says, it's going to be a, a reduced field and I know people aren't going to make it here, but we're going to go with what we got. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm all for having an event that something that we can watch something that gives us something to do in August. However, I don't think it's, it should be crowned the fittest on earth. If you're going to go with that um, truncated of a field and um, have to go under those types of rules and regulations. Yeah. Maybe it's just the fittest of COVID-19. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whoever can get there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I was talking to um, my friend Twee who um, she's a director of the Dakota games, I guess, which is kind of like a, like a mini granite games type event that usually happens in September and they canceled their online qualifier, which is going to happen in June. Um, and she was saying that their event, if they even can have it, is going to be like open enrollment. You know, so like there's things that are even happening September through wherever that people can't go to or do stuff. It's just, it's kind of depressing. Totally. Yeah. So on to the next piece of news. And what we thought might be really fun and exciting news uh, we're going to give our review of the new <laughs> Nano X. And for those of you on YouTube, you can see my Nano X. I'm holding it up to the screen. Um, we, the three of us, were all going to volunteer at the Rogue Invitational. And a really cool thing. Rogue and Reebok worked together to say, hey, you volunteered to sign up. It's not your fault that COVID happened. We want to give you a special gift for signing up to be a volunteer. And so they sent us all brand new Nano X's. Yay. Super appreciative. Woo. That was really awesome. Awesome. So thank you, Reebok. Thank you, Rogue. Thank you, Rogue Invitational. Uh, it was really cool of you to do that. So yeah, thoughts on great, the shoe? A great marketing. <laughs> yeah. Great marketing. I was going to say great marketing because I don't know anyone that hasn't like posted on their social media that they got the shoe. Right. Um, yeah. So it's just, they've gotten a lot of exposure. Um, I unfortunately don't love the shoe and I really want to love the shoe, but it is the most uncomfortable shoe that I've worn in a very long time. <laughs> um, specifically around my ankle <laughs> part. There's just lots of stuff happening around the foot that, I feel like are extra pieces that don't feel really good. I mean, sometimes less is more, you know? <laughs> right. And I, and let me go on record, the Nano 9s, I will buy a hundred pairs of those before they ever go out of stock because I love my 9s. Love, love, love. I love them to coach in. I like them to train in. I like them to walk around in. They're amazing. Um, these I had on for like five hours and I was laying on the couch with them on and I had to take them off because they hurt my feet so bad. Mm. Yeah. I any, feel like mine are like, any? yeah, I feel like mine are like clown shoes on, on my feet. 
I mean, really, like I, I mean, that's one of the great things though, I mean, about Reebok, I mean, I do have a wide foot. So like the wider toe box typically, like I think when it's good for me, but these just, I feel like when I'm walking around, I feel like I'm wearing clown shoes. They just feel massive to me. I mean, I always get a half size up anytime that I'm getting an athletic shoe just because of your feet swelling and that kind of um, aspect, but they just, they feel huge, but to be fair, I haven't had them um, on enough to like be walking around to coach in or doing anything like that. So I definitely will wear the shoes as far as like coaching and then that sort of thing. Um, but I, I would not wad um, in these shoes. Yeah, my, my feeling is, is kind of similar. Um, when I first put them on, I was like, ooh, because it has that like, like that inner sock feel like like the like the eights had, which I really liked. I really liked that like sock feel of sliding into the shoe. Um, and so I was like really excited about that. Like your getting a little hug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, little hug. <laughs> yeah, and it felt great when I first put it on. Um, but like you, Kat, about five hours in, uh, the top of my foot, it was so tight on the top of my foot. Yeah. And then you know, it's, I've been documenting this on this podcast since we started, I've had leg issues. And so my legs are very, very sensitive. And I think what they did, and I'll hold it up again, is it's got a higher build than the old Reebok yep. shoe, kind of like the 1980s cross trainers that were like the three quarter top. They called it not a high top, not a low top, but kind of in between. And that's what it feels like to me, which there may be some people that like that, but it rubbed right against um, the very bottom of my leg, um, which was, was irritating very bad for me, but it's probably due to my leg condition more than just me as a human. Uh, but the back tongue, the, it almost has like a tongue on the back. It's very high. Yeah. That, that part is, that part is too high for me. It digs into my leg. And then on the side where it laces, if you show the side where it laces, see that like extra lace towards the back of your foot there? This I one? actually took that lace out. Me too. Yeah, see? I took the lace out of that eyelet and just did it in the front, but then they felt like they were falling off my feet. They didn't feel secure enough, but they, they weren't hurting. So it's kind of, I don't know. So yeah, there's still a work in progress. This, this is a lot. <laughs> and here's the wideness. Yeah. Yeah, I love, I love the wideness of it. They're pretty looking, like right here, but not on my feet. <laughs> well, I think too, maybe maybe if it loosens up a little bit and that, that back piece doesn't rub, if it could, I don't know, loosen up a little bit, I don't know. I, I haven't given up on it yet. Haven't given up yet. Yeah. One more try. But that, that's the funny thing is like, here's where the, the old shoe ended right there. And you have that much more going up your Achilles. So even it kind of makes you do a, a, an air squat perfectly because if you don't, your, your Achilles is kind of bending back on that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> those are our thoughts on the Nano X. So this has been a very uplifting and joyous end to our show <laughs> with all the topics that we have been picking and um, talking about. So hopefully we can end with something awesome with our best things from the internet. Who wants okay. to go first? 
You. I'll start. Let me, let me start. Um, okay. So mine's going to be around this nutrition thing that we're talking about too. So unfortunately, you can't go back and look at it again, but this was on Fee Sagafi's um, story. So Fee is a, a games competitor, super cute person, super nice human. Um, and I think she lives in Cleveland. Yes. Um, she, yeah, she's in Cleveland. And it, that's completely irrelevant to what I'm about to say, but just felt like I had to say that. Um, she, she posted, so she does a lot of nutrition stuff on her um, story and she posted this really cool snack that she had. It was like cucumbers, cucumbers, sliced apples, lemon juice, and like Himalayan salt. And I'm completely going to try it because it sounds like a really fun little snack. Um, but she went on to talk about her macros and how she eats the same number of macros every day, regardless of whether she works out or rests. And this to me is like huge because I work with so many people that, and I've used so many other programs that have like rest day nutrition versus like high intensity workout day nutrition versus low intensity workout day nutrition. And it's like trying to juggle all these numbers in your head and your body's kind of reacting up and down. And she just basically said, listen, I eat, I eat the same macros, the same calories every day, even if I rest, that way I'm, I've got all the nutrients I need for the next day when I'm going to work out again. And I just thought that was a really good explanation for why she does that and why I think that's a great approach for other people too. I, I know so many people that are on programs where it varies, depend on whether you're working out or not. And they spend half their day trying to figure out what kind of day they're having. Is it a workout day or is it a not workout day? Is it a high intensity day? I'm not sure what my macro should be. And it's like, that's not the point, you know, just like get into a routine and make little changes and start eating and not do that. So I'll get off my soapbox, but I appreciated her posting that. And she's a really good follow for, for just cute little snacks. And she's always shown us what she's eating and she's eaten, you know, she gets to eat like a million calories a day, which is also kind of awesome. But, uh, but she has some cute ideas on there. So it's funny. It's funny you say that because it just, uh, from personal experience, when I eat better the day before is when my workout is good. You can't catch up the day of, especially if you work out at 6 a.m. or something. Like there's no, there's no fix in that. So it's, you know, trying to, yeah, you gotta, you gotta build the blocks ahead of time so that you're ready when, when the time comes, I guess. And so that's really cool that she did that. Yeah. And I, and I think people get into that weird mentality sometimes if you have issues with food or, um, you know, you tend to be like an over exerciser or things like that, you start to barter in your head, like, okay, well, if I work out more then I can eat more and today I'm not working out, so I can't eat as much. And that's not the kind of relationship I think people should have with food. And I, and I, I don't like that sort of give and take mentality. So I think it's just, if you do it one way, do it that way all the time and, and things will work out. And I'm going to add to something that you just said right there, because I think it's super important, especially when talking about nutrition uh, is the relationship with food. I think that is where all the struggles or where all the challenges are related to it's growing up um, or, or, you know, kind of how you were brought up and introduced, but it's all about that relationship with food. So I think that, and there's a really good book about that out there, actually. Um, I'll find out. I can't remember what it is, Scott, but I'll, I'll let you know and you can link it. Okay. So you want to go, Amy? Sure. Okay. Mine is a non-CrossFit related, but you know, I like to have fun and laugh and crack up. So there is a 
um, makeup artist who's made a couple of different videos over the time that I will just, I mean, roll around laughing at. And so my all time favorite of hers is where she, she puts on tiny hands and then she tries to put her makeup on wearing these little tiny hands. So that's really funny. But this one she did this week was hilarious. So because everybody's kind of wearing masks, what she decided to do was she created like a small nose right here on her nose and then like made her nose be the mouth. So when she was doing this, this was like her small face. It, I mean, it's, it's so hard to explain, but it's hilarious to see. <laughs> you guys are going to have to see it because it will make you laugh. And these are the tiny hands that she was using to put her makeup on. Okay. Her name is Jamie French. Really funny makeup artist. Is that her Insta? Is she on Instagram or? Um, I I always see it on Facebook. But on Facebook. Yeah, just under Jamie French. Is is Facebook still around? You know what? Yes. <laughs> All right. What's yours, Scott? All right. I picked two just in case someone like duplicated up. Um, okay. But uh, so the first one I'm going to say is. Uh, Half Thor, uh, the man who shares my nickname, um, deadlifted 501 kilograms at his gym yesterday afternoon, and it looked like my 225-pound deadlift, as easy as he pulled it up. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of controversy around this. I don't want to get into that because we're trying to end on a happy note. Uh, whether it should count or not, because it wasn't at a sanctioned event or anything like that. But at least it gave us something to watch during this quarantine uh, of some kind of athleticism. <laughs> and so uh, he, he did it and he did it fairly easy. Um, and that was really cool. So that is my first thing. And the second thing is I watched the Mayhem Monday from last week where Dre paid off a bet to do a hundred muscle ups for time. And he was debating with Rich as to whether he should do it or not. And Rich says, well, I'll do it with you if you do it right now. And Dre's like, well, I don't want to do it right now because then you're going to smoke me and I'm going to look really bad. And Rich is like, come on, we'll do it. We'll, we'll set a plan and we'll just go for it. And so they did it. Dre had to finish it within 16 minutes or for every five seconds after 16 minutes, he had to do 10 assault bike calories. So Rich finished, I think, 1321 for 100 muscle-ups. Uh, and I think his plan was five every 40 seconds. And that's, and he held that until like, <laughs> he held that to 884. And then he had to go down to, no, it was 80. And then eight, he had to do fours the rest of the way. No, poor guy. Dre tried at fours and then had to go to threes much sooner than 80. And he ended up where he owed 200 assault bike calories. Yeah. So then Rich said, well, I'm your buddy. We'll go back and forth, 20 calories back and forth till you get your 200. So Dre went 20, Rich went 20, Dre went 20, Rich went 20. And they got the 200 calories after they did 100 muscle-ups. So if you're looking for a workout this weekend that you just want to bang out real quick in the garage, uh, grab those rings, just grab your salt up. bike. Yeah. Yeah. So those were what, that was my fun thing from the week. It was a fun, fun watch. Uh, and the best part of it I, that I left out 
was that every five seconds, Rich is going, that's 10, 20, 30. And Dre's going, shut up, Rich. And Rich is like, I'm just motivating you to get done faster. So that's, great. I love that's the best thing I saw from the internet this week. And we want to thank you so much for joining us. Hey, don't forget, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, leave a comment. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Uh, hit the notifier. So, you know, we have stuff coming out. And if you're listening on one of the traditional podcast platforms, hit that subscribe button as well and leave us a five-star rating. That would be super cool. And we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and friends. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends. Remember, you can find us on YouTube now and all major podcast platforms. That's iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, we're available on all those. And please hit that subscribe button on whatever you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week on the Clydesdale CrossFitter and Friends.